Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnut, and with me today is Fred Velez, CEO of Optimizer, and notably for this episode, former AdWords evangelist. Welcome to the podcast, Fred. Thanks for having me, Scott. Great to be here. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here and to be talking about AI and ML developments in PPC today. We're going to be talking about all things automation from the person that was at the heart of it, the beginning of this way back in when when did you leave google as the adwords evangelist was it i remember reading 2012 was that around the right time yeah exactly after about 10 years i uh, i decided to go and do something else so it was 2002 until 2012 so there were some rapid developments in that time and then since you know the 9 years that have passed since then it's almost an entire lifetime that's passed since then as well so i'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on anecdotes of maybe things that you were working on from google at the time what you're doing now with Optimizer, and your thoughts on AI, ML, and automation in terms of the future of paid media. But to kick this episode off, could you maybe introduce a little bit more about what you're doing at Optimizer right now? Yeah, so uh, Optimizer is a company I co-founded with two other people right after leaving Google. And not exactly right after leaving Google, but basically came out of Google, had been working on AdWords for a a decade. And so I was pretty well aware of some of the problems and the shortcomings of the the tools that Google was building, especially when it came to those expert practitioners, um, the folks I'd be talking to at a lot of the conferences that I would visit. And so, um, you know, I'd, I'd also been consulting and I was starting to experience more of these frustrations with AdWords firsthand. And it was a lot of stuff in terms of, you know, how much time it takes to do a best practice that you know you should be doing and your client wants you to do it or your boss wants you to do it. But honestly, it just takes so much time and none of us have enough time in the day. And so um, I found scripts at the time, ad scripts had just been introduced and I started building some of these things to uh, to start to automate some of these best practices and uh, seemed to hit a nerve with, uh, with the things that we were building. So decided to turn it into a company and here we are a bunch of years later and uh still building cool stuff and uh you know never a boring day when it comes to ppc i mean everyone working with adwords you know it's new changes every month and uh pretty big ones that make people mad but it's also what makes it exciting for uh for us to keep building solutions for folks so let's touch on the pretty cool stuff that you're building. Maybe that will open a world up for our listeners to understand more about what you're doing with artificial intelligence, what you're doing with machine learning. 
I remember reading somewhere on your website about the fact that your company is driven by advancements in machine learning, in AI. So, yeah, can you talk maybe about some of the things that you're trying to achieve right now in those areas? Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I think AI and machine learning are really buzzwords, right? So I think a couple of years ago, we'd be talking about big data, and then that turned into machine learning. Um, And it's really the technology has gotten us to a place where these things actually do work. But at some fundamental level, like many of the problems we're trying to solve in PPC don't have to rely on machine learning. And so some of the exciting things that we're working on, for example, is with shopping campaigns. Right, So shopping campaigns basically take your Google merchant feed and you have to turn it into some sort of a Google ad structure to start advertising for it. Now, if you have a really big product catalog, you might say, oh, well, I want to split all my products by top level category and sub level category and then maybe put every product in its own product group so that I've got some control and some insight. And uh, And if you do that for a 50,000 product catalog, you might actually find yourself spending a whole week of doing nothing else but clicking on on links in the Google interface to achieve that sort of a split. Even though I was able to explain it to you in 15 seconds how I wanted to do the split, actually executing on it can take you days. And so that was a simple tool that we built and it's still really popular, the, the shopping campaign builder, right? So that's simple. It doesn't require machine learning. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we got the machine learning where we basically can take a look at budget optimization and allocation. And so looking back at historical patterns for your industry, for your account, and figuring out how much money do we think you can spend over the coming couple of months, and then looking at your performance across different campaigns, different channels, uh, different ad engines, where does it seem like you'd be getting the biggest bang for your buck in terms of allocating perhaps limited budget? So uh, that's kind of the other range of the spectrum. So it's fair to say that your goals are both to help advertisers get the best return on investment for whatever they're spending on advertising. But then when it comes down to an individual PPC professional, it's to make their lives a little bit easier by making their jobs a little bit more efficient. Is that fair? Yeah. And I think that's really the, the second thing you said was where we started. It was about give you back time and let you do your job more efficiently. And and the assumption with that was that because we work with so many people who really know what they want to do in PPC and they've listened to the best practices, if you're able to execute on that best practice, you're also going to see the results in in terms of better return on ad spend, right? But, But what we're trying to give people is do that thing you know you should be doing in less time and then the results will follow. I should mention at this point as well, in the intro, I introduced Optimizer in your previous role as an AdWords evangelist. But one thing I didn't mention, but I'm sure we'll reference, is your book, Digital Marketing in an AI World. It's a book that I've been reading that expands on all of these different ideas and principles. And so if you want the more granular version of this, do go check out the book because it's got a, a lot of expanded advice, insights, and thoughts from Fred on all of these different topics that we'll be covering, which leads me nicely onto this next point, actually. So talking about pros and cons in respect to advancements in AI and machine learning with PPC, can you speak just briefly on some of the primary pros and cons that that are top of mind for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because the pros are really from Google's perspective, right? So when Google AdWords was built, AI and machine learning was in its 
infancy. And really, AI, to be fair, has existed since the 1950s, but it really hasn't been good uh, just a couple of years. And so in uh, 2001, when Google started AdWords, they had to ask you every single question about what you wanted to do, like what keyword do you want? What ad text do you want to show? What bid do you want to have? By the way, bidding was a CPC bid, and there was no conversion tracking when I joined Google. So um, <laughs> there was this whole claim that PPC is this advertising that's measurable. And yes, it was measurable in terms of what people were clicking on and how much you would pay for those clicks, but there was no measurability in terms of the outcome. That's only a a much more recent development. And so over the years, Google has added bells and whistles to the interface to give people more options of what to do. But the reality is that the millions of advertisers, they really don't know what buttons they should be pushing, what settings to put in. Uh, I mean, Think about bidding for a second, right? So even if you say, I want to do smart bidding or automated bidding, like there's 11 types of automated bidding in Google. So it <laughs> sounds like it might be an easy decision, but it's really not, right? So it's it's still complicated. And I think what Google's trying to achieve with all this automation is just make advertising more accessible to everyone. So you don't have to be a PPC expert. You don't have to do this for a living, but you might have a business and you want more customers, right? So how can Google help you achieve that? And so that's the benefit. If you don't really are an expert, um, you can still get pretty decent results. You can pretty get pretty average results using all these automations. And then I, I think the flip side of the coin is exactly that. It's it's that exact same coin. Now, the, the expert gets frustrated because they lose some of the controls that they're used to. Um, and obviously, I mean, we've spent almost two decades now developing best practices and knowing exactly what works. And then Google comes in and pulls the rug from under us and says, well, actually, that kind of keyword match type you can't use anymore. Or that search terms data, well, we're not going to share that anymore. And so that just frustrates the the, the experts. It means we have to redevelop what we, what we thought we knew. Hmm. That's really interesting in terms of how this impacts the expert, which is an area I want to go on to in a minute as well. So it's a pivotal time right now for paid media marketers. Again, I've seen you cover this in your content, it's referenced in your book, but it's it's this point in time where the paid media marketer role has been changing and it is changing. And perhaps it could be argued that there's a decision to be made. If you're sitting there as a paid media marketing, whether you're in-house or at an agency, what direction do you want to go in? How do you want to work with these automation features to become a better paid media marketer? And perhaps there are marketers out there that are maybe fearful of their roles, and that's because of the media portrayal of what AI is. And so there are people that aren't sure whether they'll even have a job in the future. Could you maybe speak on what you're seeing and what you think a paid media marketer right now should be doing when it comes to thinking about their role in the future. What's your advice to the paid media marketer as we talk today? Yeah, Scott, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great question, right? It's sort of the, uh, the elephant in the room. Everybody's sort of worried that as Google continues to automate things and then Microsoft follows very quickly with those similar automations, um, mm. like, am I going to have a job in a couple of years is what the PPC marketer is asking themselves. Uh, but my message is actually one of hope. I, I think really what the machine is starting to do is a lot of that work that we as humans honestly probably would rather not do. A lot of the button pushing and like manual repetitive data analysis, uh, that's what the machine is really good at, right? And, and the machine doesn't sleep. The machine doesn't get tired. And that's that's one of the beautiful things. So you can give it a ton, a ton of data about different searches, different queries, different users. And it's really good at finding patterns, and it's 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 going to continuously look for those patterns of 
oh, what's happening in terms of like geographic distribution of conversion rate and, and what kind of devices are people on? And these are very simple uh, concepts, right? But it goes much deeper than that, obviously. So Google looks at millions of signals and calculates all of this in, in, in real time, really, and then is able to set the right bid for the right person at the right time. And so then the question for the human becomes, well, where do I contribute? And, and I think for the human, the, the answer, um, as you can read in the book, but it's basically threefold. There's three human roles that you could equate yourself to. And, and one of them is as a PPC doctor. And a doctor is a little bit about figuring out like what medication does the patient need to ail or to fix what ails them, um, right? And so the question in PPC is then uh, like, what kind of bid management should I use? What kind of ad text? What kind of... Should I use RSAs, ETAs? These are different types of ad formats. How do I put it all together? And how do I put it together in a way that we don't have like a negative interaction? So that's kind of like one role. The other role is that of the PPC pilot. And the PPC pilot is really about monitoring and and staying on top of how the automations are working and making sure that the inputs into the automated systems are the correct ones that, you know, if your conversion rate is broken for a day, you got to go fix that, right? You got to tell the machine that, hey, don't look at this data from this one day because what you're seeing is not actually uh, what was really happening. It was broken. And then you have the role of the PPC teacher. And that's maybe the role where most of us can focus on, but it's called machine learning for a reason. It's learning, right? So someone has to teach it. Uh, And there are ways in which the machine can learn from just data sets where the human is not really involved that much. But I think Think of yourself as a strategist. I mean, teach the machine what signals you found to be meaningful in the past and how do you push those signals to Google so they can do a better job with their automations to pick up on um, what you already know matters to your business and give you even better results than if you weren't communicating that to Google. I was just thinking, you, again, you've touched on the individual there and in the book you touch on agencies' approach to AI, ML and automation as well. But I hadn't really thought about PPC SaaS products or companies like Optimizer. So I guess you're in a position where you're ultimately creating features that make PPC more accessible because Google aren't doing that job. Is that fair? And does that put you at risk in the future? Like, where do you see the role of Optimizer into the future? Because essentially, Google could, if they wanted to, develop the types of products that you're developing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So... If anyone's thinking about going into PPC SaaS software, uh, just be cognizant of exactly what you said, right? Which is Google's not stupid. I mean, Google knows what their customers want and they'll build it. It's just that they're a bigger company. So many of the things they build take longer. Um, There's Mm -hmm. more considerations they have to do. So from my perspective, I mean, I was solving problems in PPC, but fully knowing that Google would probably come around one or two years later and offer something very similar if it was actually a a good feature. Um, But to me, that's okay because it seems like every quarter there's some announcement. And so the the most recent one that people may be aware about is phrase match is going to absorb broad match modified and broad match modified is going away, right? And so what does that mean? I mean, that means people have to evaluate their accounts. They have to figure out what is the impact? What kind of search terms might I be showing up for? people can no longer trust that phrase match behaves like they expected it to behave a couple of years ago. So the monitoring requirement becomes much bigger, right? And that's the role of the PPC pilot. You're monitoring that the automated system isn't doing something stupid. But that's where tools like Optimizer come in because now we can say, well, you know, obviously the the search expert, they can go and look at these search terms reports 
manually. But what if we automate it? And so we have a rule engine capability in the tool and you can set in logic and you can say, well, find me times when Google took a phrase match keyword and showed my ad for when those words were not in the same order, which I was expecting from a phrase match. And then also do something else, which is do like a proximity calculation between the query that Google used and what my underlying keyword was. And if that proximity score is too low, then email me about it or, or, or even automatically make it a negative. And so these are the capabilities which are, again, they're very specialist. They're very focused, I think, at people who really know what they're doing in PPC. But for them, they're so valuable, right? And that's that's why I think we still will have a role. And uh, I think we're just, as, as a software company, you have to innovate, right? Like software companies do not sit still. A, co- a software company that stops building things is basically a dead company. Um, mm. So keeps it challenging for us, keeps it interesting. But I think there's a, a lot of things we can still do. Yeah, that's interesting. As you're talking, I'm thinking about the fact that Google Ads is such a complicated product in terms of its amount of features, its number of features, and the amount that they're developing, that, as you said, you're always going to be able to find a niche area of that product in which to specialize in, in which to support advertisers and support those PPC pros. And so, as you said, the only way that wouldn't happen is if you're not innovative. And so Google comes along, it creates a product or it creates a feature that renders you redundant and you hadn't innovated beyond that. But providing your innovation is part of your company, it doesn't sound like that's anything to fear. And actually, an interesting question is, how does that work at Optimizer? Are you able to speak on any processes in innovation? So I assume that you have a a team that keeps a, a very close eye on developments in Google Ads. And then do you bring that to kind of creative meetings and product meetings where you're looking at new product innovations? Yeah. So, I mean, I think myself and my other co-founders are probably the biggest drivers of sort of monitoring what's happening in PPC and uh, and turning that into product. We have a number of team members now who are sort of stepping into that position as well. But, But honestly, a lot of our developers didn't come out of the Google Ads world or the PPC world in the beginning. So for them, it was a learning curve. Uh, but yeah, we've certainly seen like some of our leaders on the, the shopping side on some of the, the other products that we have, they pick it up and they see how customers use it. And then they really start formulating, okay, this is the next way that we can help them. So so there's a lot of innovation that happens internally like that. But, but my favorite way that we do it is kind of in the, the hackathon format. So we have a right. quarterly hackathon. And, and as you all know, I mean, a hackathon is basically like a one-day project. It's a fun project. It doesn't have to be deeply related to the core business. Um, and it doesn't have to follow the methodology of how you develop stuff normally, right? So everything's much quicker. Uh, it's almost like prototyping. Mm-hmm. And so some really cool stuff has come out of that. We, we did a, an auction insights visualizer. So you can more easily visualize how your competitors are moving against you. And a lot of other nice innovations are coming out of that that I can't really talk about yet for the, the latest trend that we've done. Uh, but one that, that comes to mind too that we did a while back was Alexa. Um, and I hope I didn't just activate her there in the background. But, but we have a we built a skill for her, so you can ask her how your account is doing, and she'll verbally respond and she'll say, "Hey, uh, well, you got a hundred conversions today." And then you can do a follow up question like, "Well, h- how is that different from yesterday, or how's that different from last week?" And, uh, oh, okay. and then she'll start explaining, "Well, you got more conversions because your clicks went up." And uh, Okay, why did my clicks go up? Well, maybe because you raised your bids. And so it gives you an explanation, a verbal explanation of why things are changing. And that's kind of the cool, innovative stuff that obviously picks up a, a good bit of marketing. 
Um, but it's also fun for the team to do, I think. Well, interestingly, it ties in with the point about the idea here is that automation should, in theory, help just develop a paid media marketer's role so that they can focus on more strategic, more creative elements of marketing and those points won't be lost. So in theory, what you're talking about is all of these things that you're talking about about right now are helping to provide some innovation in the paid media space, which for me is one of the most exciting things to do with automation, AI, ML, in marketing in general, is I'm really curious to see how people use this time that they're saving. And um, like you've just said, in some cases, you can revisit as a company, your approach to creativity, and that's how you can best utilize that time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so that's sort of the, the new concept, right? Like there's innovation within the company, but speaking of mm-hmm. uh, what you said, how does the PPC marketer become more strategic with their time? And I think mm-hmm. the fundamental shift that the PPC marketer needs to make is they have to stop worrying about managing everything inside the bubble of Google Ads and thinking more about how to manage Google Ads at the periphery of the system. And what I mean by that is, you know, inside the system, you pick keywords, you set bids, you choose ad text, you attach audiences, you do all of these things, right? But ultimately, the machine is becoming so good at that. But but how the machine decides what to do is based on what you put into the system. And that's what happens at the periphery. At the periphery, you're communicating conversion value, types of conversions. Um, and so conversion value you might think of it as, as a simple thing, but ultimately it's often really complicated, right? Like when I when I run ads for Optimizer, I might tell Google that a conversion is someone do, starting a free trial. But is that really what I care about? Well, obviously, no. I mean, I care about having subscribers and I care about having subscribers who stay with the product for a long time. And if I could choose, I'd probably also have subscribers who don't ask us a lot of questions that are explained in the FAQs. And so there's all these measures of what does success mean to you, right? And and if you can communicate more of that to Google, and so it's not just about what is my trial subscriber, but did that subscriber or did that trial turn into a subscription? And then what is my prediction based on our internal machine learning models of how long that customer will stay with us? And then mm. as we see them taking on different behaviors over time, how do we re-educate the model so that we can inform Google at the periphery and tell it, okay, go and find me more customers like that because that's the one that really works for us. That's an actual paying customer with a good lifetime value. That's what we're interested in. We don't want those free trials who end up never even connecting an account and never seeing what we could do for them. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I want to speak on smart bidding in particular because that comes a lot up a lot in terms of for me uh, what i see from clients or prospect questions at our agency and i just you touch on a, a phrase that you use and i can't remember is it again it's in the book where you reference that whenever google talks about smart they talk about x can you remind me of what again breaking it down for the listener here that maybe doesn't know what google smart features are can you put that into your own words for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what I wrote exactly in the book um, <laughs> because it's, it's been a, a couple of years here, but smart is basically anything that's based on AI and machine learning. And so it's often also the real-time mechanism. So the, the difference, by the way, between smart bidding and automated bidding, automated bidding is sort of the old school automation in which you would say, okay, today I'm going to look at my 30-day historical performance and I'm going to adjust my bid based on 30 days of historical data. Okay, and then tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to do that process again. Before the next 24 hours, my bid is effectively a static bid. And so there's some automation that I'm deploying to recalculate it on a daily basis, but it's still kind of a manual bid. Smart, on the other hand, is usually for Google, the auction time stuff. So at the exact time that somebody does a search on Google, it looks at all the millions of factors and calculates not only the right bid, but it figures out the right ad to show for it and puts all of those pieces together. Um, and a lot of machine learning is, of course, driving that. And for the paid media marketers, the the more advanced users of Google ads that might be listening to this that perhaps have thought to themselves so far, I don't really need to experiment with smart bidding because I'm comfortable with my manual process. What would your message be to them? Uh, change. I mean, <laughs> you're on a fairly short runway there, I think. I mean, and again, it's you see it thing after thing. So the, the phrase match change that I just referenced. Well, great, you can manage around it. But but really, what Google is doing is they, they keep pulling away data, they keep pulling away controls, and the only way to get effective results, the best results possible, is to shift towards automated bidding. Because here's the problem, right? So, um, And I'm actually going to bring in a different example, which is maybe a bit more clear, but exact match keywords, they used to mean that Google could only show your ad if the user searched for exactly those words and nothing else. Okay, but then Google introduced close variants. And closed variants say they can show the ad if it's quote-unquote same meaning, but not the exact same words. And now sometimes Google kind of gets that wrong a little bit. So uh, an example might be floral arrangements is the keyword, but Google shows your ad for arranging flowers. 
Okay, so floral arrangement, to me, that sounds highly commercial, probably somebody looking to buy a bouquet. Arranging mm-hmm. flowers, on the other hand, to me, sounds more like somebody looking for a YouTube video that's going to teach them how to do this. Now, mm-hmm. I kind of get it why Google says, quote unquote, same meaning between these two things, because they are kind of in the same sphere. But there's probably a huge difference in the commercial nature, and that translates into how likely it is to become a conversion for you. That is really, really bad if you have manual bidding because your manual bid for the thing you thought was highly commercial and likely to lead to a sale, that's now the same bid that Google is going to use for that thing where it's very unlikely somebody's going to buy. So that's a waste of money. But if you put smart bidding together with that close variant match, well, Google probably knows that there's a different predicted conversion rate. And so they're actually going to lower that bid. And so you'll get that click but you'll get it at the right price. So you're basically expanding your audience. And, and, and the point is, as Google makes these changes, smart bidding is a little bit of that backstop that makes sure that uh, with everything Google's doing, your results are going to stay good. And so by you saying, I, I'm not going to use smart bidding, you're actually risking a lot of wasted spend. And I think it's only going to get worse over time. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting message and something you referred to earlier. It's that if you don't start experimenting with smart bidding and other smart features now, and you continue to avoid experimentation or just start using them and working with them to enhance your paid media strategies, I think you just said the words there at the end, you're kind of going to get left behind. And one day to play catch up is going to be very, very difficult. So the message that I'm hearing loud and clear from you is experiment start as early as you can don't be afraid of smart bidding in a lot of respects let google do the work and actually utilize your skills in other areas of paid marketing don't fear that your job's going to be lost to smart bidding you've got to use your skills in other areas yeah exactly and so then one of the fears is that people say well okay listen now i've got smart bidding enabled but my geo bid adjustments and my device bid adjustments and my audience bid adjustments and all of these things that i've been thinking a lot about uh, google is ignoring them and this is another tricky thing. So people haven't checked this out. You can you can set these bid adjustments, but Google just doesn't use them. And it's very confusing in the system that there's no compatibility between these two, right? So a lot of advertisers think they're using these bid adjustments, when in fact, they're not. And so these are the frustrations that the advertiser says, I'm losing control. But actually, if you think about it, an optimizer can help with this. We, we can say, well, If you truly care more about a conversion from New York versus London, then you don't have to use a bid adjustment for that. But you can actually tell Google there's a higher value for the conversion that came from the place that you prefer. And through conversion value updates and offline conversion imports, you can effectively do bid adjustments together with smart bidding. You can still steer Google in the direction that you want it to find you more traffic. But then the challenge, I think, for the advertiser is, really answer the question for yourself, like what was it about London versus New York that made you want to bid differently for it? If the only answer is, well, I know my conversion rate is different in those two cities, that's fine. Google's got that. Smart bidding can figure that out really easily. But more interesting, if you know that someone who buys a product from you in London actually becomes a higher lifetime value customer because they tend to have, they tend to buy stuff more frequently for whatever reason than someone in New York, Okay, that's the thing that Google probably doesn't know because that usually lifetime value takes more than 90 days. 90 days is the limit on the cookie that Google has. So Mm -hmm. if you can now say, okay, I assign more value, even though these two people, the one in New York and London, they bought the exact same thing with the exact same value. 
I'm going to tell Google there was a higher value for the one in London because that's the one that I preferred. And that's your bid adjustment back, right? And so it's a sophisticated strategy, but it's still keeping you in control. But it's challenging you to ask the deeper question about why things are different for your business. One thing that comes to mind as you're talking is you're providing so many good examples and ideas on how the paid media marketer role is evolving, how to use and get the most out of smart bidding, how to use smart bidding for the first time. And as you're talking all of this through with me, I'm thinking, well, why isn't Google out there providing a lot of this information? So for me, having worked with Google ads and AdWords for personally around a decade now, I do, and actually other Google products as well, I have seen a greater commitment from what I see and perceive towards their educational content. But there's still a huge gap between what they're doing and what they could do. And so my question to you is, why do you think that gap exists? I know the most skeptical marketers out there will say, perhaps they want to use features and not provide too much information about them so that there's wasted ad spend. But at the same time, that's to Google's detriment because they only continue to get paid if they serve the most relevant ad results. So where do you think Google falls down in terms of its education? Well, I think when I left Scott, obviously everything fell apart 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> that was on my mind. <laughs> so, and I'm kind of kidding about that, but, but in a way, it, it's part of the reason that I left. I had to do with the fact that myself and Avinash Kaushik, the Google analytics evangelist. So at the time I left, it was only myself as the ads evangelist. And, and people like us who would go out to conferences and like have meaningful interactions that helped the market understand how to use the Google products better. Uh, we were basically being asked to stay more in-house and maybe focus more on accounts. And and so the education piece wasn't seen as valuable. It wasn't seen as, you know, what was driving maybe the immediate revenue. And, and so I know the sales leadership since then has changed, and I think they're doing a better job of it now. Uh, but that was part of it. I mean, they just didn't value. They, they didn't. They couldn't equate the value of me going out to a conference like SMX Advanced and getting people to understand how to take advantage of something like smart bidding and how they could measure that in terms of the revenue. Whereas if I sat on a sales team and I had an account that I managed, well, then yeah, they could see how much Lifter was in that account, and that's what they wanted more of. Right, Google, very numbers data driven company, and maybe that was a little bit their um, the the thing that makes this education harder to do for them because it's harder to measure. And it's funny because, like myself, I mean, I'm a PPC guy, but I believe hugely in branding. I mean, the reason that I love going on podcasts, the reason I love speaking, the reason I love blogging for Search Engine Land, it's because of the brand. I mean, and, and people ask me like, "Is that paying off for you?" And I'm like, "I think so." I'm pretty sure it is, but I can't give you an exact number. But I'm also a pretty firm believer that if I didn't do these things and if I didn't educate, then people would use tools incorrectly. They'd get more frustrated and they'd probably leave, uh, both mm. Google and Optimizer. I mean, honestly, I, th I think that's part of it. And, and then you alluded to the other part, Scott, which was that there's a lot of advertisers. And, and so I was on the quality score team at Google and we would always be like, like, why can't we tell people how quality score works? Um, and we don't have to give them every little detail, but at least we can be a bit more transparent. And I gave many presentations, by the way, that were fairly transparent on that topic. But Google's pushback was, well, listen, if you go out and you tell a million advertisers about how the landing page component works, you're going to confuse 999,000 of them. 
And those 999,000, they're going to pick up on the wrong part of your message and they're going to do the wrong thing. So it's better for us not to say anything than to say something that's going to confuse a lot of people and make a move in the wrong direction. And I think that's that's to this day still a problem. It's just how do you segment your education so you give it to the people who are sort of at that point where they're ready to understand what you're saying. That's interesting. Yeah, I I do understand the other side of the dilemma as well. It's one of those things, it can be frustrating as a marketer to not have the full information and yet to be able to access that information so easily via someone like yourself, an expert. Maybe there's something that's missing over time there with the Google Partner Platform because thinking out loud, if the Google Partner Platform allow people access to the best partners in Google's products, then maybe the education can come through those partners and maybe there's a win-win there somewhere. But Yeah, absolutely. um, yeah, I do understand that's a that's a really tricky dilemma. Talking about smart bidding and this adjustment and these developments over time, I'm assuming that you've come across paid media marketers that have gone through this process of having to adapt their mental approach to using Google Ads. And I want to know for those people that are going through this process of having to change, of having to learn smart systems and smart features. Are there any resources or any pieces of advice you can give to those people to make this process easier? Of course, we'll recommend your book, but any books or anything like that that have come up throughout your education that you think have been a, a really helpful in your journey or in the journey of your your colleagues or your peers? I mean, honestly, I think the place where I learned the most is by going to conferences, right? Never had the pleasure of going to Brighton SEO, but I'm sure it's the same there. You, If you're sort of at a, an entry level, in the space, you go to the lectures and you learn quite a bit of stuff there. But then it's the hallway conversations. It's, it's a conversation afterwards where people say, well, yeah, okay, I tried that, but here's kind of the uh, the problems with it. Or here's where it seems to work, but maybe it takes too much time. And here's what I did about that. Um, it's a lot of these hallway conversations, like what happened to practitioners. And by the way, that was like my role at Google too. So, you know, I joined Google because I spoke, I, I speak Dutch. I'm born in Belgium. Um, and so they needed someone to translate Google Ads, AdWords at the time into Dutch and to do the, uh, the Dutch customer support and approve or reject all of the Dutch language ads. So, so that's why I joined Google and then I became the evangelist. But the reason I became the evangelist was that I had hands-on experience. And, and so it was like running those accounts and seeing the frustrations firsthand because there's like this huge gap between the theoretical, how the engineers build Google Ads and how the practitioners use it. And to be in the weeds and to experience it yourself and to see that, oh, yeah, Google says it should work this way, but this is how it actually works. And this is the workaround I did. And then every person in the industry has sort of their own experiences like that. And now you go to a conference and you start sharing stories and you start to understand kind of like the bigger picture. And I think, honestly, that's what I would do. Go to more conferences, uh, join stuff like PPC chat on Twitter where people are like giving their own true experiences on a weekly basis. We do this PPC town hall live stream every two weeks where we bring on a bunch of experts. Um, and that's just a really great way to hear how those people are perceiving the, the latest developments. You do so much, Fred, that I've forgotten to mention PPC Town Hall. So I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But I found that really invaluable to both in preparation for this topic and the podcast today. But the amount of PPC advice that you get from a range of experts is amazing on there. How long have you been running that now? That's, that's fairly recent, isn't it? Yeah, pandemic age. Uh, so yeah. literally what happened when the first stay-at-home orders came in here in California and uh, my whole year's worth of conferences was like disappearing. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So um, 
I started a live stream on YouTube. And, and in the beginning, it was like, can we do this on Zoom? But then people got so zoomed out and like constantly seeing four heads on the screen with like no production value kind of got boring. So we found this product called StreamYard, which was built by a, a couple of ex-Googlers who uh, had been working on Hangouts on Air. So we, uh, we used that software and it's just much more visually appealing and it's much more like watching a TV program with talking heads going in and out and we can have like bottom thirds and just kind of keep it fresh and engaging and do some screen shares, take a look at articles that people have written. So we've been having fun with that for, uh, it's going to be a year very soon now. And I want to close out thinking about the future. So we talked a lot about the kind of present in this episode today, but I want to know from your, yeah, I want to know your vision for the future when it comes to AI and automation. And in particular, um, I want to know any features or functionality, particularly in Google ads, but in any, any product, uh, in any paid products that you would really like to see or that you know are being built that you're excited about. Well, I mean, I, th- I think. Google's going to continue to do its own exciting things with a, a massive machine learning model that looks at most of the common signals that we can all imagine would matter to conversion rate. I, I think where, I, where we're kind of like focused and I'd like to see more focus is connecting that to your own understanding of your business uh, and bridging the gap. Because ultimately what we see is that, and this is the question that comes up so much at conferences now, which I find really interesting, which is, okay, if there's two advertisers, and they both use the same automated systems from Google, like who wins? How does Google decide which one goes to the top? And the answer is actually quite simple. It's still auction time signal. So quality score is actually the determining factor. So, so literally, if two advertisers, same keyword, same bid, while Google's machine learning quality score says we predict advertiser A to have a slightly higher potential click-through rate, hence their ad rank is going to be higher. So they're going to take the top position. But uh, but that's all the common stuff, right? So now, how do the advertisers inform their own things like target ROAS, target CPA? How do they figure out things that might have an impact on their conversion rate that Google may not be thinking about? And so here's the question, like, does Google look at the weather, the temperature? Um, and, and this is a maybe an overused example, but I think people can relate to it, right? So in your business, do you think there's an impact of the weather on conversion rate? And if you think there is, are you sure that Google is looking at that factor to make decisions? And if you're not sure, how do you bring that data into bear on the Google ad system and and the decisions that it makes? And I think that's where a lot of future development is going to be very interesting. It's sort of like Google's got their own machine learning going, but how do we make answering that question for your business, how do we make that more feasible? Because I think everyone fundamentally agrees that there could be something to the weather data, but very few people can answer to what degree does it impact things and making that easier. And then once you've got that answer, how do you bring that in to the Google ad system? And so that's sort of where optimizers thinking about how do we bridge that gap? How do we let you take your business data, constantly feed it into the Google system, um, so that it becomes smarter and makes better decisions for you. Now, that's really interesting. And, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about core web vitals. And I think and talk about that a lot in context of SEO. But perhaps that we'll see a great integration of the core web vitals with the landing page experience and how that impacts quality score into the future as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I can see what you mean about how there are a, possibly a great, one of the more exciting things, but one of the challenging things is that there has to be an evolution perhaps of that quality score system 
to evolve with how landing pages and user experience is changing over time. And I know that's that's happening as we speak, but there maybe has to be a greater emphasis from Google on that into the future. Maybe that's where Call Web Vitals comes in, in terms of paid advertising. Interesting. And before I let you go, Fred, um, that's been such an interesting episode and so many things to reflect on there. But do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and about Optimizer? Yeah, uh, Optimizer is very difficult to spell. I mean, we were sort of limited with the domain names we could purchase at the time, but it's uh, optmyzr.com. Or you can just do a Google search for it, of course, and you'll find us. And then if you uh, want to hear more about me, so I'm on Twitter, at Silicon Valleys. And Valleys is spelled like my last name, V-A-L-L-A-E-Y-S. So those are some good places to stay up uh, with what we're doing. And uh, I'll be, I'm actually writing a second book right now. So hopefully that'll be out later this year kind of my next level of thoughts on automation and where this is all going. Uh, but I, I also love talking to people. So engage with me and tell me what you're seeing. And uh, I'm only as smart as the people who surround me and the conversations I have. So so really appreciate being able to talk to you as well, Scott. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. And yeah, really, I didn't know that about the book. That's really exciting. So it's a, it's a follow-up, like an expansion on your previous book? Yeah, we're going to go into a couple more examples and sort of like... Uh, uh, elaborate on some of the topics. And so one of the, the ideas is that in the human roles that I've explained, some of these human roles that are necessitated by automation are actually just as time consuming as if you did the thing yourself. Uh, it's, it's been very funny because recently I've talked to a number of people who said, well, I've got a full-time scripts person, Google Ad scripts, and it's not to write scripts, but it's just to maintain them. And so all the time that you've now saved by putting in place a Google ad script, you might be spending making sure the script runs, uh, changing the settings for the scripts because they do have limitations. And so the the, the answer or the, the topic that the book explores a bit is how do you put in place smarter automations of your own that control the Google system, that control Google's machine learning, but do all of this in a way that is not going to be like an inordinate amount of time from you. Oh, interesting. And um, that's later this year, did you say, for release date? Hopefully, yeah. I'm shooting for uh, sometime September, October for release on that. And do you have a title yet? Can I ask that or can you not reveal that? Um, it's going to be about unleveling the playing field. So uh, the, the whole notion is Google is leveling the playing field once again by making all of these smart automations available. But as an advanced PPC expert, you are certainly not happy with average results for being uh, on a level playing field. So how do we tip that back into our favor? So uh, unlevel the playing field. Wonderful. So listeners, go look out for that. Look out for the first book, which is Digital Marketing in an AI World. Check out all the links that Fred's just referenced to contact him and Optimizer. And also to shout out again, PPC Town Hall, if you want that kind of bi-weekly expert advice with Fred and some special paid media guests. I'll thank you again, Fred, for your time. This has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. Take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.